0: I don't want a pickle, I just want to ride on my motorcycle. Hey, hello everybody and welcome, this is the Nokamoto Podcast, episode 201, so I guess we've got to call this season 8. I think season 7 only had like 8 episodes, but it's fine. Um, after, after, after that mammoth recording, I... I I have to declare a new season, you know, just so much was just left out on the court with that one. So we've got a fair amount of housekeeping to do at the start of this one. I am going to first and foremost, if there's anything you pay attention to in this episode whatsoever, it's that I am quitting my job and I'm asking thousands of you listeners, if you know of any, IT or developer jobs in this great state of Colorado, let me know because I'm on the hunt. Uh, Second, we are going to debut some new artwork with this episode for the show, but that doesn't mean it's too late for you to still submit some other options for new artwork for us. Uh, Remember, weeks back, we asked you guys if you had any suggestions And Junkie from Creative Writing stepped up and created a pretty awesome logo for us, which I'm going to use. We'll see which services take that up and which don't. Also, we're still looking for suggestions for some new intro music. So we'll see what we come up with for that. I'll probably just have a stab at that myself. But, you know, preferably something we can still sing along with because we do like singing along with our intro music. And then, um, we did not, well, we did announce it in the last episode, but it was unusable, super drunken audio where we talked about going to, actually, I may have left it in right at the end. I think the last useful thing we said on the recording on the last episode was that we are going to MotoGP this year and I don't know, we might be driving down, we might be riding down. I all of a sudden now definitely have the potential to have time to ride down. So the, uh, the, the motorcade is starting to build. So if you have any interest in joining us for that, you know, we're going to make it a party we have in the past listeners have joined us down there and it's always a great time. So get, get, get your checkbooks out and start booking your tickets for MotoGP. Um, what else do we have at the top of this one, Swigs? There was like six things and I should have written them down. It doesn't matter. We're just going to get into it because this is going to be a quicker episode after the six hour recording that was episode 200. (laughs) All right. So let's just get into best worst bike. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So here we go. This is... Best Worst Bike, our signature segment. This is a fun way to look at two bikes in a way that you might not normally look at them. You may agree or disagree, doesn't matter. Send your thoughts. Because I would say I would say most of our emails have to do with Best, Worst Bike. So send your thoughts and your complaints to contact at nokomotopodcast.com. And also, if you haven't done it yet, pause the recording and leave a five-star rating and review wherever you are or aren't or is or isn't or feeling, not feeling, whether you're conscious or unconscious. Just do it. A couple people have managed to leave two somehow. I don't know how they've done this, but just go ahead and do it because it's your price of admission. I don't care if you're rich or broke. I don't care what your age or ethnicity or religion are. It, no one's exempt. this is this is this is a, a place of equality. Everyone has to leave a rating. Okay so with that Swigs, you have best bike in the world this week. I do. okay and are you ready to reveal it? I am. All right. If you, listeners by the way, if you can hear the dog noises going on, we're sorry. It was just unavoidable unavoidable with this recording day. All right, here we go. And the best bike in the world this week is the 2022
1: Honda CT125, otherwise known as the Trail 125.
0: Oh, the 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 AMA Vintage Days Cool Kids bike.
1: Yes. But it's only a best bike in the world Also a now. bike we have
0: both ridden. Yes. On so, and off road. Mm-hmm.
1: But it is only a best bike in the world now. For a very important reason.
0: Price drop?
1: The fact that you can buy them. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fact that you can actually find them and attain them. It is now a best bike in the world. Uh, so, I mean, and I, I think we both kind of had a similar, um, a similar, uh, opinion at the time, which was, it was kind of a cool bike, but like everyone kind of needed to chill out about it. It was put up on a little bit too high of a pedestal, but I think now that you can buy them at a dealership at MSRP is kind of, kind of changing the formula a bit because it is just a great bike that does exactly what it's intended to do.
0: It had one little thing with it that let it down a little bit for me. And now there's an aftermarket piece to fix that problem. So, I rode it the first time after we had gotten much more serious about off-road and, and dirt riding, especially like motocross style riding. And my problem was you can't jump it. Right? <laughs> I actually well so so I actually thought the transmission and, and the gearing for the amount of power it had worked really well off-road. I thought it was great in the mud, but what everyone described it as, they said, Yeah, it's not really a dirt bike, it's a waddler, right? Right. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's not a cool way to ride a bike. Right. I was like, I kind of want to get up on the balls of my feet on the pegs and like squeeze the tank with my knees a little bit. Even if I'm only doing 13 miles an hour, I want to, you know, get that that balance going and like, you know, keep my body straight and move the bike underneath me and, you know, steer a bit with my and lean a bit with my knees side to side, like, you know, real off-road technique and the bike didn't really allow me to do that but now honda and various other third mar- uh third third party companies supply a crossbar with a tank extension and knee grips okay so you can actually really seriously thrash it around off, or, you know, you can really use that whole, you know, all of that nine horsepower now and and it'll get you going. So I'm, oh my God, these fucking dogs. I'm sure everyone can hear that now. If you can't, you're so lucky. There's just like, there's literally two fucking puppies in the sea, ceil- like above us and the ceiling just making unbelievable noise. Oh my God. All right. So anyway. With with that, I am all of a sudden much more interested in potentially owning one of these one day because, I mean, uh, being able to use your your clutch and throttle out of things and you know and preload your revs and everything is like a, a huge part of offload ri- off road riding, but also just not giving a fuck about a clutch and just slamming gears up and down on a um, on a centrifuge centrifuge is... You know, there's something nice and relaxing about that, too.
1: Well, it's sort of like, you know, if you're. You know, I would prefer if it's just about the riding. So
0: centrifuge clutch, not yeah. centrifuge gearbox. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, if you're, um, you know, if it's just about the riding, then, yeah, I want to ride a manual. Like all day, every day. Uh, unless it's some electric bike with gobs of power that's going to do all sorts of other interesting things but if you're actually like doing something like if you're just strapping a chainsaw to the back and going off into the woods or if you're hunting and like you're just checking your trail cams or if you're you know carrying a bunch of other stuff like if you're actually carrying and doing things um or if you've just had a few drinks and you're at you're in the woods at at uh vintage days. Yep. You know, taking some of the complexity out of it and some of the skill out of it is kinda nice.
0: Yeah. I mean let's also not forget that the that the CT125 is still with with the with the luxury option of a milk crate, the coolest thing you can take to ace hardware. Yeah. That the I don't care what lifted truck you've got. I don't care What vintage car you're in the middle of restoring that you're, you know, headed down to, you know, get some, some Bondo to fill in the the body work on. I don't care what vintage pickup truck you have. I don't care what Harley Davidson you have. There's nothing cooler to pull up in front of on the hardware store than a CT-125, period. There just isn't. There just isn't. And, uh, this, this bike has enough power to, to keep up and not being annoying in, in town traffic. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a good little run around, you know.
1: But we're also now past that stage of, oh my God, you've got a one, two, five. Where did you get this? I love this bike. I've been telling the wife we should be getting one of these, or we should get a couple of these. Like we're now a little bit past the, that. That uh, that phase of, of the model.
0: Is there still a rarity on monkey bikes? I don't think so. I haven't seen any in dealerships still. Well, I mean, the other factor
1: is just, like, with the way the automotive market has gone, like, there's... There may not be much stock to sell, but there's also kind of not a lot of buyers right now. So... It's uh it's not too bad.
0: Yeah, I feel like the CT125 and the Monkey Bike uh, have have gone the same sales tra- trajectory as the Nintendo Wii did. If you think about it, the monkey bike really is the Nintendo Wii for the Baby boomer generation.
1: Oh, just because it's it's the it's the one that you can have alongside with the flagship.
0: Well, I mean, it was such it, w- it was so anticipated, and then supply fell short, and it was so unobtainable, and then the popularity had such a steep drop off.
1: What are you talking about? The Wii is one of the most be- is one of the best selling consoles of all time.
0: Right, but as soon as they became consistently available. I, it it just dropped off and I bet there's more p s threes in regular use than there are Nintendo Wiis. like a Nintendo Wii is like i like I'll trade you this for a packet of cigarettes now right? well it's definitely true
1: now because people don't watch Netflix in standard definition anymore right so, <laughs> well, that's, there, there definitely was a stop there was a, definitely a steep drop off when like 1080p became baseline um that definitely was a factor but no i i don't know um the monkey bike for sure i think
0: well i well i don't monkey know bike magic is gone
1: uh it definitely is when it comes to motorcycle journalists but i've never known anyone who had one um uh, I don't know what the the actual popularity is and what the sales are like. But it doesn't matter, because they can just put those... I'm sure there's going... Within the next couple years, there's going to be another 125 model that uses that exact same engine and transmission.
0: Well, I think what killed the the Monkey Bike and the Mystique is... um, Zach What's-His-Face and douchey mcdouchebag from whatever website they did that video where they're like we took two monkey bikes across baja and it's like no you didn't all right if you did take two z50s across baja that would be somewhat impressive you took like a crew in a van and a bunch of gopros and drones And just led the expedition with two Groms dressed up as vintage motorcycles is what you did. Brand new Honda motorcycles, which are reliable and whatever, right? If they said, we took two Groms across Baja, it wouldn't have been the clickbait video that it was, right? You didn't take two monkey bikes. You took two new monkey bikes, which is really just two vintage styled Groms. So... Uh, everyone kind of went like, okay, maybe a monkey bike isn't actually a monkey bike. Maybe this is just a Grom called a monkey bike. And that's that's less sexy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of what killed the monkey bike. Since that video, I haven't really heard anyone making a big deal about a monkey bike, right? That, there are some things that are legitimately cool that will never lose their cool, right? A Hayabusa is still cool. Uh, you know, any leader bike is still cool. The um the Bonneville is still cool. I mean, I don't think so, but a lot but most people do. It will never lose its mystique for some people.
1: Yeah, it I mean there's I mean you know, you can't have all the bikes at once. And everyone kind of goes through phases in kind of, in terms of what bikes they want to own at any given time but you can like like i didn't want to own the w650 anymore but it didn't stop being a cool bike just because i was done with it right yeah
0: anyway yeah um yeah i i essentially agree with all of this um Let's see. Have we got uh, any more points about the CT125? I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about this bike and its power and the cool accessories, the cool look. It's very usable. I think it's pretty comfortable. I kind of like weirdly, I like the seat. It's like a tractor style seat on it almost, and it just works. I and will
1: just say it is just, um, this ki- kind of going back to, I mean, it's not a pressed steel frame. But it looks, it's kind of going back to that style of, like, yeah the, the modern interpretation of those old steel frame bikes, um, I think is fantastic. And I will just say it is a beautiful bike.
0: And it's way more substantial than you think as well. Yeah. It doesn't feel like you're on some sort of miniature bike. I'd say it feels larger than a Grom, substantially. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's 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 for what it costs. It's actually quite a bit of bike. I, I yeah, I have no complaints about it whatsoever. Especially now that, like you said, you can buy them. It's a big deal. Okay. Um, let's see. Do we want to move on to worst bike in the world this week?
1: Uh, yeah, let's do it.
0: Okay. Let's see then. Oh, my sound effects have gone stupid again. All right. And the worst bike in the world this week is, along the exact same reasoning as you like the CT125, the 2023 Livewire S2 Del Mar. Somehow, the Livewire brand the, the Harley Davidson sub brand of LiveWire has taken an already existing platform and managed to not make it. So the the LiveWire S2 was on pre order. Oh this was like the stripped down like the track like ver like the, yeah. the, the, the flat tracker inspired whatever with weird paint jobs that we were like okay it's fine. Um, here's but the problem. I think you were
1: already pretty much against it. I, I, I was advocating for it a little bit. I don't think you were so hot on it. I
0: was, was fine it. with it, but I was like, this platform's already outdated, right? Yeah. It, it, the, a lot of these electric platforms, it's, again, we've got kind of, we're kind of weird video game theme today. This is like the Atari Jaguar, right? In like 1991, it might've been hot shit, but by 1994, it's... Uh, it doesn't matter what you say the voltage was it doesn't matter you, like, how many bits it was it it like it's it's outdated um just the the range and everything in this thing it's just it's just not good it's it's just the live wire dressed up differently but here's the really worst part right we've seen a lot uh, this is how doomed the electric bike business is we've seen a lot of vaporware bikes this is a bike that did exist, and it's now become Vaporware. They were <laughs> yeah. supposed to make like 20,000 of these or something, and they just announced, oh, actually, there's not going to be a 2023 Livewire Del Mar. We, we can't make them, actually, it turns out. Uh, I I don't know why I do
1: feel like
0: if They're like it's not good. like the 2023 Del Mar won't be available till 2024 this company's just never going to turn a profit this whole thing is going to die uh and because it doesn't say Harley Davidson on the side these won't even be collectible so I feel sorry for all the idiots that have bought this honestly just cheaper version of the live wire like it's not even a luxury product anymore right cuz at least the live wire was an ultra premium luxury motorcycle this is just an electric motorcycle that's like in some inbred way related to Harley Davidson now i think at some point we should i
1: should go look i need to go do the research and look at the numbers but I feel like, besides Zero, and even then I'm not even sure how Zero's been doing lately, after they kind of went with the order-only model, um, it feels like the electric bike market is like the one market in which like the Chinese are winning. Or at least the Taiwanese are. Uh, and it really shouldn't be that way. Like, everyone should be set up to To absolutely crush this, but all these weird experimental bikes coming out that have been in development, like, advertised for what, like, the past seven, eight years now, none of them are getting made, and we can't see pictures of them. I mean, we've kind of got stuff coming out from Kawasaki, but, like, even that's been in the works for a long time.
0: Kawasaki doesn't want to make an electric motorcycle. Never did. They just want to say they're making electric – that's the important thing right now. It's the emperor has no clothes. Everyone just has to say that they're working on one until everyone just kind of calms down about it. And then they'll just quietly never go into production because the idea of a full-size electric motorcycle doesn't make any sense. And no one wants to admit this. Hmm. You can't go anywhere – of any reasonable distance at any reasonable speed you just can't you cannot leave town doesn't matter how many instant torques you've got it doesn't matter as soon as you hit 60 miles an hour you've got like 25 miles to go and you're fucked and that is the reality of electric motorcycles and nobody wants to admit it it doesn't work and on top of that I don't care if you're getting an electric motorcycle because you care about the environment, because the emissions of motorcycles are just not enough to make a difference. It's such a small – it's such a tiny sliver. It's like saying like, oh – I'm going to clean up the environment and you go to your city dump and you pick up a chewing gum wrapper and then leave and say, well, I did my good deed for the day. You haven't made a dent. You haven't done anything. It's not significant. Okay. If you want to make a dent in cars and, tr- and, and uh, semi trucks, that's something. I mean, it's nowhere near as big as, say, power plants, but sure okay but you know industry factories that that's where most of this is really coming from it's not even coming from cars but cars are at least statistically something so right. you're not being green and you're on an idiotic platform for getting somewhere just it, the only bit that makes any kind of sense whatsoever is an electric scooter and that's only if Everybody bought one and used them regularly instead of their cars. That is the only thing in electric transportation that will make a dent in CO2 emissions. The only way, period. There is no other conversation to have. So if you want an electric motorcycle because you think it's the future, it's not the future. If you want it because it's green, it's not statistically, it makes no difference. It might as well not be green. And three, I, it's not as cool. It's not, it's not as much fun. Changing gears is more fun. The rumble of the engine is more fun. Pumping gas is more fun than plugging it. Th- and pumping gas isn't even all that much more fun. It isn't really fun, but it's more fun than just plugging something in. I Wrenching is fun. I, I'm sorry. It's just on a full size motorcycle. It makes zero sense whatsoever, and now they can't even produce the ones that they've already been producing. What the fuck? Now, I will get excited about electric scooters all day long, but this, no. Yeah,
1: I mean, what's really, I mean, I think the greatest strength of especially the smaller displacement electric stuff is the exact same reason that I wanted and got my uh, electric lawnmower, which is if you've got enough stuff, like if you've got enough bikes already, if you've got enough stuff that needs maintenance, that you're working and wrenching on, it's great to eliminate motors that you don't care about. And having something that does, having something that, doesn't require like once once you've got enough motors in your life having something that doesn't require an oil change that doesn't need to have valves adjusted that isn't going to seize up on you is really nice and something that isn't going to change your plans because it's been left in the garage for a whole season and you just pulled it out and it's not quite right in that regard it's fantastic and That's something you can do with electric scooters. Let's take all of these weird flagship designs that people want and all these hybrid designs and like cut the weight in half, cut the battery like capacity to a quarter, try and cut the range in half, and just actually just make something.
0: Let's start with making something and putting it yeah. in a dealership. Yeah, yeah, you can't. Like everyone keeps claiming more and more range. It's like you didn't even make something that had half that range yet.
1: Yeah, this is like who would win, Batman or soup or Spider Man?
0: Like, yeah, I. Like, <laughs> let's man, get
1: out of the hypothetical here. Let's let's actually make something happen.
0: But the 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 strength isn't the. The the thinking is all wrong. They shouldn't be thinking about increasing range. They should be thinking about decreasing range. Okay, it only does 30 miles at a time, but it really does only take like four minutes to charge. That's what they should be looking at. Like, okay, it's a scooter, and you're just going to take it to Target, but there'll be a place to plug it in at Target's. And it won't be ridiculous and this huge strain on a power grid and what, cause you're just charging a tiny battery that will take you 30 miles instead of this dream of 250 miles on some touring motorcycle. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. I- the the strength actually lies in shorter range, right? If you hmm. had to fill up a gas car every 30 miles, it would be like, are you fucking cause there's
1: Do you it, know who should make an electric scooter? Who? Um Ryobi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just a straight up forty eight volt. Ryobi already
0: scooter. has a great battery swap system. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, even if you had to put in, like, seven of those fucking 40-volt uh, batteries, right? It's still yeah. Or just however many you want.
1: Yeah, this could work like the Tic Tac we, we we came up with. Uh-huh. It could just be, like, you could just have, like, a bank of eight Ryobi oh, batteries. Oh, yeah, the Tic Tac.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. was a good one, yeah. You could, or not, oh, no, no. sorry, it wasn't the Tic Tac. It was the Pez.
0: Oh yeah, the, the PES, 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 That's right. Yeah, yeah with um, the, the batteries that have a spring-loaded <laughs> system for dispensing the batteries. like you could just
1: have like you could just have like eight batteries like on the on the frame, like in front of you, and then it's just like they're just there's like an LED around it that's just red or green, and it only really pulls power from one at a time, and maybe they only last like twenty minutes each. But then like you can just pull up somewhere. And just pulled out all the red ones and put fresh ones in, and
0: you swap no. out the magazine of batteries. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm I'm actually kind of serious about this, like, or at least an e-bike system.
0: Like an e-bike system is very plausible. A Ryobi e-bike, and you could do it. You could, or do or just a... an e-bike kit. Yeah, to use the batteries you've already got for your mower and everything. That's that's compelling.
1: You could do a whole line. You could do a Hot Wheels car. You could do And then you could go up to a scooter. It could be like one for the Hot Wheels car, two for oh, mean the Maybe the e-bike. power wheels? Or yeah, one one for the yeah, one for the For the, the pow- kids' power wheels, like, yeah. It's it'll be one cell for the for the power wheels, two for the e bike, and like four to eight for the scooter. And just
0: Or just run the scooter off the one for the power wheels. Like you're only gonna make it eight miles or less, but that's yeah. that's for most people, that's to the edge of town and back. You may not do it very fast. You may do it at like twenty two miles an hour, but or or slower. But still, you know, even yeah. at twelve miles an hour, that's like but
1: yeah. Somebody needs to, somebody needs to partner with Ryobi,
0: and they should make their own electric vehicles, or at and least just- a bicycle kit. I like yeah. the bicycle kit. Okay, so anyway, yeah. So yeah, the, the Livewire S2 Del Mar. Uh, we all thought this was actually real. So things are now go. This is a, st- a historically significant motorcycle because I think this is the first electric bike that we thought passed the vaporware test that then went back into vaporware. The, yeah, that's a whole new level of fail, right? We're all used to the idea of like, oh, a company promised this, and now it's not coming out. Whatever. This is just straight up. I... Well, and you know, it's not even a failure of the the companies to produce this. It's that news travels so much if you want to go back and like look through old issues of like motorcyclist magazine or whatever in the 80s and like you'll probably find some shit that never came out but there was no whole internet to go on and talk about oh this thing's going to be such a game changer and it's like everyone who's trying to release a new product is now being compared to this thing that hasn't even come out yet and whatever really the problem is that Everyone just has access to information about shit that's coming out. So they expected – how many things in the 80s and 90s were designed that never actually came out? It, I I don't think anything has really changed with, with, um, with companies being able to design and produce shit. But our expectation that everybody makes everything they've even thought about making – and our constant need for news to come out of these companies, like, hmm, it's been eight and a half minutes since we've heard anything exciting from Honda. I chill out, okay? Honda makes twenty-three models of motorcycle that you've never fucking ridden. But, I don't it's know. True. Maybe maybe try those out before you demand some game-changing platform from Honda, right? Or Livewire, who the fuck ever?
1: I, I don't know. Well, once you went, that that is fair. Uh, but I don't know. Once you give multiple Ike, Ikema presentations on a bike that you're not going to build, I think, I think the uh, the burden shifts a little bit.
0: The fair enough. Yeah, we don't need multiple. I Ike- Yeah, the the presentations, the 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 self congratulatory announcements of electric lineups and what like, and by the way can we say it out loud there's no country economy region or even just town that is going all electric in 2030 something it's not happening right can we say it out loud i know everyone is jerking each other off about going all electric it's not happening no dealership is going all electric. No, anything is. It, it's not feasible. It's Th- like the Paris Accords.
1: Like, it's a nice thought, but it's, it's not well, real.
0: <laughs> it's, well, what it is, we were talking about this the other day. It is get rid of your jet ski day at Grandview Lake. Oh yeah. (laughs) So we used to live at this lake and like three different times, the lot owners association at this, this private lake, um, announced that everyone was going to have to get rid of their jet skis because they're just a bunch of old fogies with sailboats that were like, I don't like jet skis. These kids are doing backflips on them and blah, 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 blah. The jet skis weren't fucking hurting anybody. The jet skis were also owned by a bunch of old rich people. It didn't fucking matter. But they announced several times, oh, on this day, the jet skis have to go. And that date would just come and go with no change Every single time until they just gave up and they're like, I guess you can have jet skis. This is exactly the same thing for whatever reason. There's some force that is pressuring everyone to say that they have to give up gas and go to electric and. It's impossible. There aren't enough batteries. There aren't enough ways to even get the minerals we know about to get these batteries made. There is not enough people who have the income to buy these electric vehicles. There's no infrastructure to support them on this scale. Like, cause we're talking about this happening in like 15 years. Like it's a ridiculously small amount of time to have this gigantic changeover, but everyone has to just pretend that they're totally down with this insane plan i'm not saying we should do nothing but it turns out that electric scooters and e-bikes are the only realistic way to even get half of this done and it's not part of the conversation whatsoever it's not even the only class of these vehicles the average person can realistically afford is not on the table somehow. I mean, Honda has like three or four electric scooters in its lineup, not selling them in the States. And why? Because they, because it's not part of the conversation here. But this is shit that already exists. Honda has swappable batteries. Honda has, like, fleet vehicles. Honda has, like, all this shit. And there are people who are down with it in other places. But somehow in the Western world, like it's like, nope, we're going to have electric jet airliners. I guess that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but we're going to have electric Commercial aircraft or nothing. It's like, what are you talking about?
1: (laughs) Or we're gonna have a Hummer with eight thousand pounds batteries.
0: Right? Yeah. Like like one person will have enough batteries for an entire neighborhood or nothing. That's the model we're going with. What the fuck? Like I, I, like Greta Thunberg, have you? Has it occurred to you that more people might listen to you if the, envir- if the pro-environmental changes you were suggesting were plausible, right? Instead of everyone going to live like cavemen, maybe you should champion electric scooters and e-bikes and champion their usage instead of a car. There's, the, the, trust me. There's plenty of people still driving F-150s to the grocery store when a bicycle with a basket will do. Maybe we can start there. And in the meantime, we can stop being disappointed by dumb shit like the budget Livewire. Because that's what the S2 Del Mar is. It's not a new idea. It's a budget Livewire live wire and they can't even make it it's not the future it is
1: probably eight times the battery capacity of what a sustainable model would be
0: right yeah the only okay. yeah yeah <laughs> And our money's where our mouth is too. Like on the only electric motors and you know battery-powered electric vehicle systems that we have purchased, they've all been along this idea of you know forty-five minutes to an hour's worth of of sustained use and then recharge. That none of them have been on this giant plan of ridiculous range and epic road trips and and canyon carving at high speed that's not what it's good for plain and simple all right should we move on to our our discussion topic for this episode yeah let's do it okay so here we go we are going to continue our series we know it's been like a month since we fucking talked about it our series how to sound like you know what you're talking about on how to how to how to sound like you know what you're talking about Installment number two, engineering principles. If you're going to talk shop, there's some basic shit you need to know, and you don't need to be leading the conversation. But what you do need to do is when someone's telling you what's wrong with the bike, you know, you go over to your buddy's garage, and he's fixing something on the bike, and you're standing there, you got a beer in your hand, and You don't actually need to like hold a wrench yourself. You don't need to do anything. But when your buddy turns to you and says something about what he's doing, and you nod, like, yeah, you need to at least half understand what he's talking about or she's talking about, whatever. Right. You can't, I mean, you can get away with a certain amount of just like, mm hmm. But, what you don't want to do is this modern bullshit of just going like <laughs> i can barely work a can opener right let alone tool right don't be that guy yesterday i met a dude with a 2020 harley softtail and i was like 2020 softtail so that's got the, got the milwaukee eight in it he's like i don't know and i was just like really you don't know and i was about to launch into this like well you must be a colossal idiot but i was but i don't know some of his friends were around i was like i'm not cuz i'm i'm not going to go there i just now know that this is not a person worth my time i don't know how you own a 2020 harley softail and you don't know what the engine is what i don't know how you own anything with an engine and you don't know what the engine is should at least know the displacement i can give you all kinds of specs on the briggs and stratton in my lawnmower
1: like yeah like if you own the vehicle if like if you paid msrp for it like you shouldn't have to look at all the stickers and the engravings on the side of the vehicle to tell somebody like what the displacement is or what the or what the year is, or something like that. These are things that should you should just know offhand. And it's kind of inconceivable to me that somebody can, like, pay five figures and not have that knowledge just burned into their memory.
0: I know. I have the feeling if I asked this guy if his bike was four, five, or six speed, he wouldn't have known. He was like, it goes vroom, was kind of his attitude. I...
1: It was gross. Maybe credit was too cheap. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, where do we want to start with this, Wiggs? Uh, so, just like, just some basic, like, engine, mechanical, engineering principles. Uh, I guess suck, press, bang, blow is a good place to start. Uh, yeah. Sure. Okay. So, if you don't know the basic principle on which a four stroke engine works, is suck, press, bang, blow. Those are your four strokes of a four-stroke engine. Suck, the piston goes down, and just like a syringe drawing liquid into it, it sucks in the air-fuel mixture. A valve opens up as the piston goes down, it sucks in air and fuel. Pretty simple. It goes up and it squeezes all that air into a tiny space. And when you squeeze air, it gets hot. And it makes it a lot easier to make it explode. So suck and then press. Those are two strokes as far. Bang. When it finishes pressing it, the spark plug goes off and there's an explosion and it pushes the piston down. This is known as the power stroke. This makes everything go. And then blow a valve opens up again at the top of the engine and it presses everything out. This is like the, your syringe squirting, you know, the, 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 the vaccine into your arm, right? Pushes all the exhaust from the explosion that just happened out. And the process starts again. There you go. If you have a four valve engine, you have two valves that let in the air and the gas, and you have two valves that let the gas uh, the exhaust go out, meaning it can happen easier and faster and more efficiently. That's why four valve engines are real fancy and cool. Or five valve in some cases. Uh yeah. So the more the and
1: the more interesting part of this is why is this is why V-twins tend to be a lot more rumbly and like inline fours tend to be very smooth is that because you only have one power stroke with a lower number of cylinders... Bigger bangs. Yeah, you've got only one power stroke. So if you've got something that's going at 2,000 RPM and it's a single cylinder, then you take those RPMs, you divide it by four then you've got 500 explosions a minute. So as you go, but if you have, you've got four cylinders, you've got four times that, but not only that, but they're going to be alternating. They're going to be, all the cylinders are going to be in different cycles. So the power is more continuous. That's why you typically call dirt bikes thumpers with their one big cylinder.
0: Yeah. So, So there we go. Rewind the audio or just Google suck, press, bang, blow. You should have learned this in eighth grade, but if you didn't, now's the time to brush up on this. Because if you don't know this, you're really not going to be able to talk about anything engine-wise. And then, you know, there's balancers and there's, you know, there's side valve and overhead valve and there's uh, bevel drives and camshafts and all sorts of other shift shit there's desmo valves there's fucking um uh, v tech there's there's all kinds of things that go along with this a bajillion different other technologies that we don't have time to go into but if you don't know suck press bang blow god help you you're not going to even be able to even just sound like you know what you're talking about now i guess on the flip side we do need to say like what is the real difference between four stroke and two stroke so two stroke's much simpler it's half the number of operations it as every time the piston goes up there's um th- there's an explosion. And <laughs> I mean that it's basically that. There there's not this like separate operation
1: well, there to draw is something- in air
0: and, and push yeah. out exhaust versus compress compressing it and exploding. It's it, it kind of does two jobs at once with every stroke. Mm-hmm. And as a result, also oh, way to go. Um As a result, you
1: you forgot to turn put your phone in airplane mode. Be quiet.
0: I didn't actually. It's somehow just getting text anyway. I just left my works group text to solve the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) um, uh, so 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 two strokes uh, uh, they present a problem with some amount of efficiency, but you do get twice the number of power strokes. You also have significantly more uh, wear on the top end of your engine, but you also don't need valves, which is pretty nice. So look into that, too. But these are things that you must know, or you will get nowhere in a garage conversation.
1: Uh, You should also just have the basic skill of being able to recognize a two-stroke on site. Yes. This is... This is not so. this is not so much a how to sound like you know what you're talking about as to avoid avoiding demonstrating that you don't know what you're talking about. So yeah, let's go
0: one. into that. So so there, when you walk up on something that is two- stroke, there will be a few things that really give it away. So one, the the easiest thing to spot is a two-stroke exhaust looks very different than a four-stroke exhaust.
1: Yeah, so a um, a two-stroke exhaust has what's called a tuning pipe on it. And this is because of the way that you have the two-stroke cycle. Uh, your piston actually has to work in both directions. There's effectively two chambers. Because while it's doing the power stroke, it's actually compressing the next load of air-fuel mixture in the crankcase below it. But what that means is that the ports that let the the air-fuel mixture into the cylinder let it out the same way the exhaust is going. But there's a little bit of back pressure as the cylinder is going back up and closing. So every time your two-stroke engine cycles, when the exhaust is coming out, of the cylinder a little bit of fuel air mixture comes out as well and that weird bulbous uh, exhaust pipe the on expansion it, chamber that expansion chamber is tuned so that ideally all the air fuel that that went out the exhaust port gets sucked back in and none of the exhaust makes it back in and it's never precise but you're trying to do the best job you can so that t- that tuning chamber it's that-
0: tuned for a specific rpm range. And so yeah. basically at like wide open throttle and at low speed you're just kind of losing tons of air fuel mixture. But whatever. Um yeah. The so so yeah, but then uh, also what you'll most likely so you'll notice like this big fat header pipe coming off of what looks like a way too big header pipe coming off. And then it always Shrinks down, and this is what helps create the back pressure into like what they call like a pea shooter style exhaust. So it's a much smaller exhaust pipe at the very end. Mm-hmm. So you'll notice that. And Next, especially thing-
1: on um, well, and then on a lot of older ones, what you'll always see is air fins all over the cylinder, and you'll see the spark if it's
0: liquid cooled. Mm-
1: Okay, if it's a water buffalo, yes, you're gonna.
0: Or like any modern, uh, uh you know, two fifty dirt bike. Okay, yeah,
1: but if we're talking about like old air cooled, what you'll notice is that you'll see, um, you'll see fins on the top of the motor.
0: That's true. Yeah, the head will actually have. Yeah, the whole head, like the 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 valve. What where would there would be a valve cover? There's just a a, a cylinder head with 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 fins on it, mm-hmm. um, or more cooling. But uh, you'll notice that the where the spark plug is is much more obvious, and also the position of where the exhaust comes out will be very very different. So. In a four-stroke engine, the exhaust comes out at a higher spot on yeah, the motor. it's coming
1: out at the top end near the, near near the, the valves.
0: valves, where there's no valves on a two-stroke. So it's going to look like the exhaust is almost coming out of the bottom of the engine, but that's actually just where the uh, it. That's just where it is. It's it's mm-hmm. for airflow reasons or whatever. And yeah, it's lower down where the header pipe is going to come out.
1: Well, it has to match the bottom of the cylinder. Of the cylinder head.
0: Right. So anyway, just little ways to try. Also, you need to, d- to distinguish a two stroke by its sound. This is easier than it sounds. Once, Just look up some recordings of two strokes and it's that ring. <iénes> ring, that ring. Kind of noise. It almost sounds like there's shit rattling inside the exhaust as well. That's it. That's the sound. And if you cannot distinguish this, you will you will fuck up and look like a total idiot, right? Um, as a uh, part of the way that two strokes work as well is that oil needs to get mixed in with the gas. And so there's a distinctive smell associated with two strokes. And the exhaust is a lot smokier. Um, yeah. ch uh. That's just the basics of what you need to know about two-strokes, or you will look like a moron. Trust me. Um, I want to get into something a little bit more tangible for people, right? So this is something very simple that is black magic to, like, 95% of the population anymore, apparently. There are two, only two things you need to be able to do with a multimeter, Okay. No one will ever ask you to perform any in reasonable, in any reasonable way. No one will ever ask you to perform functions other than these two functions. Okay. You need to be able to measure voltage and you need to be able to re, uh, measure resistance. And you can, any repair job you need to do on a motorcycle, you only need these two things for. Right. That you may, even your cheap harbor freight multimeter has like eight different modes that it can be in but there's only two that you care about one should be pretty obvious it's for measuring 12 volt electrics and there'll be a 12 and a v on the side of it somewhere right
1: well if it's a sane if it's no it should be there should be a range of 10s tens-
0: Right. But th- there will be a spot where it's obvious. This is where I yeah. need to set it to measure either your car battery, your motorcycle battery, or whatever. Right. It's different than you'd measure like power in your house or whatever. But like for batteries, there's like one spot. Google it. Okay. There are confusingly on a lot of multimeters, three spots to plug in your terminals. There's only two of them that you ever need. Google it. Okay. And then the other function you need to know is measuring resistance. And this is the one that makes the beep. Okay. So find the, the, for all you total pansies out there, find the spot on your multimeter that looks like the Lululemon logo and put it there. Okay. And then, (laughs) um, In your shop manual, whatever whatever wire you're testing, right? If you think a wire is busted, uh, this is gonna change your fucking life, by the way. If you think a wire like is not working, a connection's not working, you put your two little pokey bits that you plugged into your multimeter on either end, and if it is broken, the multimeter will beep at you. It'll go, and you take it off, and goes, as you put it back on. Because the resistance is 100%. Because the signal is not making its way through that wire from your two terminals, right? If you think about it, when you're measuring the voltage, you're trying to get power off of something, and it will tell you how much that power is. This is kindergarten terms for you. If you're measuring the ohms, you're actually putting something through that wire, and you're trying to measure how much of it is making it from one end to the other right and however much doesn't make it that's the resistance this is essentially the in the basic fucking most basic terms how this is going to work
1: bringing a lot of energy to this podcast today
0: well it just frustrates <laughs> me that people don't know how to do this cuz it's so simple in reality so yeah if you think something's not working you can do this and and you will be amazed if you can test the resistance on a fucking wire like everyone on the block will think you're some wizard with black magic powers the problem is that people are going to start bringing you a lot of broken electronics after this but this is like this is enough to get you up and going and diagnosing problems like crazy how much power is going through this thing how much resistance does this have that's really all you ever need to know that with a shot manual that will tell you because you, you'll be amazed how many parts of your motorcycle your shot manual will give you resistance for right like when we were um re uh revamping your 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 250 swigs we looked at the um
1: oh the ignition coil yeah, the ignition coil
0: and we measured the resistance on it and guess mm-hmm. what it was out of spec it was supposed to be, like, I don't know, like, I can't remember the, the range in ohms, but it was like, oh, it's this much, and uh, it was, like, 10 more or something. You know, it was supposed to be, like, 80, and the resistance was 90 or something, and, like, and then, okay, this thing's fucked up. Great. There we go. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. I, it's, it's so simple, though. Like, it's so simple. You can you can just YouTube how to measure voltage, and you can YouTube how to measure resistance, and these are the oh, because people pick up these things, or they have one lying around, or your dad gave you one, or your uncle gave you one, or whatever, and you just looked at it, you looked at the dial and went, uh, too long, didn't read, right? Like this this looks too intimidating, but there's actually only two functions that ninety eight percent of the population ever need.
1: It is weird to see a lot of people, you know, treat what's taught in, like, an eighth grade shop class as an insurmountable task. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. Where do we want to go from here?
0: Where do we want to go from here? So. Let's um, just get one more in. Yeah. One more. Just just the basic shit that, that everyone needs to know um oh actually
1: here's here's a good one that we should do real quick because it's annoying me and weirdly i see people talking about that somehow this has come back up again uh and everyone needs just a basic refresher on octane ratings yes so higher octane your premium fuel does not mean that your fuel has any more energy in it.
0: Yeah, it's not even necessarily of a higher quality. It's not. The, I'm not really entirely sure why it's more expensive to be perfectly honest. Maybe I'm revealing some like something I don't know, but octane is simply simply resistance to combustion. So, like, if you pour milk in your gasoline, right? Milk has no bang in it whatsoever.
1: It's going it to make it harder
0: to blow up that gas, right? Milk would <laughs> okay. technically be an octane booster, right?
1: I believe that your 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 octane booster should still be combustible. I know, <laughs> but, but like, it... um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, octane has nothing to do with the amount of energy. It will not by itself, make your car have more horsepower or have more range or anything like that by itself. Now, what does Octane actually do? Octane makes your fuel harder to combust. Right. And the reason why you would want that is that if you have a very high-performance engine that's high-reffing, that gets hot, it gets really hot, and it has a very high compression ratio, then you want a fuel that's harder to combust because you don't want your fuel to combust before your cylinder hits top dead center and before the spark plug goes off. Because you will lose control of when the fuel ignites and you'll also really fuck up your engine. And it won't like it.
0: So Yeah, well, w- w- if if you pour... Fuel that goes off of a lower octane into a high compression motor, you will accidentally turn your engine into a diesel motor.
1: Right, now, and that's practice, not good. It's not. It's not good. Um, but there's a couple things to go with this. One, a lot of people think that um, that like E10 and E15 fuel you know, with the 10 and 15% ethanol in it is lower quality because it's not as high an octane rating. First of all, ethanol inherently increases the octane of your fuel.
0: Because it's got less, you got less bang in it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's practically uh, milk. (laughs) uh, But secondly, um, the reason that, people don't like it is because it eats through certain types of hoses and damages a lot of older um engine parts right. and it doesn't do it quickly like it's not like oh i put e10 in it's ruined but it's at it this kind of like a wearing thing um the other reason it sucks is that it's about 3%
0: less energy
1: just because ethanol is lower it's just lower in energy density
0: um, oh, I thought it was w- way more than that. I just thought like per gallon or something because it I thought it had like sixty percent, but because sixty percent of the fuel that straight gas does, but because how like
1: it's significant a gallon less. of it it's, of e like-
0: fifteen is three percent less than just a gallon of straight gas, yes. Right, but so the the ethanol itself is far less than three percent less. Oh, I think
1: it's like eighty percent. Far or so. more than three yeah, percent less. It, it's significantly yeah. less, but um, but because it's only ten percent, yeah, it just brings the total right. down. Um, now the last thing to mention is that a lot of people think that they need to put the actual fuel that is the actual fuel rate, the octane rating of fuel. That's in their manual, in their car or bike. Most of the time, this is not true. Harley's a great example. Now, when I took the Norge across Utah and Arizona, and it was, you know, 103 degrees out, and I was pushing 95 for 50 miles straight, I did put the medium-grade fuel in. Oh yeah, cuz your <laughs> but, engine's
0: running so hot.
1: Yeah, yeah. But um generally unless you're uh yeah, unless you live in California and you're in gridlock traffic and it's 110 degrees out and you're just idling and the fan on your car is broken there's generally so much um margin of error built into the motor and the rating of fuel they recommend Though the vast majority of vehicles you can just put e80 you can just put the the lowest octane fuel in now for us around here it's like 87 but you could put 85 or lower
0: yeah so the reason harley davidson tells you to put in high octane fuel in their bikes is because you can err on the side of the higher octane with far less consequences than, than putting in too little fuel. But here's, here's, here's the trick with Harley. So Harleys are great big air cooled V twins. There's no water moving around. It's just the air moving over the fins. So if it's a super hot day in Florida, and there's, you're in some stop-and-go traffic, your engine might get so hot. Oh,
1: so if your fuel mixture is running a little lean, right? If you've got some wear and tear on it, if you're... That, that, if you're that extra and, heat you know, in just, the motor
0: could get you some pre-ignition. If you and haven't again, changed the oil
1: in a while. If you haven't changed the
0: oil in a while. There's a lot of different things. So the higher octane... Because it's the heat isn't managed as well. Because, well, how well your heat is managed is to do on the, you know, how much air you're getting over the engine, right? You could run into a situation like that. But if it's not basically June or July and. You're not going to be in any stop and go traffic. You can put in whatever the fuck fuel you want into a Harley Davidson because they're pretty low compression motors in general. I would say when you if you're going to put mid grade into your engine, concerns for that start somewhere around 12 and a half to one compression. For the premium, that starts at around 14. So check what compression your motor's supposed to have. You know, because it, well, first of all, however much compression it says it has, it's probably going to be a little less if you've done like, you know, 20,000 miles on your bike.
1: Like Kawasaki recommended mid-grade fuel on the W650, which has eight to one compression. But it's air cooled. But it's eight to one compression. I know. (laughs) Yeah. It It absolutely never required. No justification other than just uh, just because
0: cooled. it's air cooled, yeah. The, just because you could be sitting there with the engine idling and just it building up heat like crazy, and you could get some pre ignition from some really shitty fuel. Right? Uh that that's it. That's the entire reasoning. It's just liability on the manufacturer's end that okay. Great. It's like, it's like they tell you to, to run your engine in slowly. You don't need to run your engine in like slowly. It's just that they don't, they know it's good for them if you don't get a motorcycle and immediately take it to redline in traffic, not being familiar with the bike. Right. They don't need the reported accidents of their models of bike going way up. They're like, Hey, you just got a new motorcycle. Maybe take it easy for two weeks. Is what they're trying to tell you. that The minute every one of those engines comes off the assembly line, they take it to red line for like two minutes sustained to test that yeah. the engine's not garbage. Trust Suzuki me.
1: just wants you to get out of line of sight before you wreck your jixxer 750
0: yes like, that's that's why they tell you to break your engine in it, the engine doesn't <laughs> actually need broken in it uh, this is this is like talking about oil this is something that gets people riled up with all kinds of crazy theories but the it trust me there's the, the it, there's no magical way that you ride that's going to break your engine in easier it's that that guess what all those bits of metal are going to like have a tiny microscopic layer of oil in between them and they're going to rub against each other real fast or ridiculously fast. I, either way that metal's going to get to know each other. There you go. I it's fine. You can look up all kinds of videos of people taking apart engines that were quote run in and engines that were just thrash from the get go and there's like no fucking difference. What oil oil you're using probably has a better impact on that, but that's still a tiny – it turns out, just put fucking oil in your bike. Just have, have oil. Just have oil. <laughs> yeah, it's a good idea. I, I would say how often you change your oil has a much bigger impact than what oil you're using as well. I mean, I do recommend it's the J-what? J- what
1: Um j mm, so ma
0: jsma or J-O-, JO JSO. Yeah, JSO. Yeah, I do recommend it's JSO oil, but beyond that, just have JSO oil in your bike and change it. That that's all you need to know about that. Um ooh, here's a good one. That this is a this is a really good way to sound like you know what you're talking about. And it's another real basic one. And this, there's a very, very high likelihood. This is a concept that you and your buddy will talk about in the garage. A crush washer when you're changing your oil. I don't know why, but nobody talks about fucking crush. Like me and Miss Emma and probably Phil talk about crush washers, but is the unsexiest just Forgotten about thing in like the automotive industry. I, if you go to Jiffy Lube, they probably won't even put a crush washer on your oil plug, but it is one hundred percent the way to change your oil with confidence. You, it is just a, a washer that's bimetallic. You can buy them in like packs of 15 and there's like two sizes that like all oil drain plugs use, right? And next and next time you do your oil change,
1: you should buy like 3 and keep 2 in your tool bag on the bike.
0: Yes. And it they're like $2. You you go to the store to buy your special you you go how many of you, if you're honest? Go to the store and pay like $19 more for oil. Not really sure if it's making a difference, but just for that peace of mind. And yet you don't put a fucking crush washer on the oil plug, which costs $2, which will definitely, definitely give you an increased chance of your job being successful. But just ask them for a crush washer. Now I know the dude behind the counter is going to look at you like what what? Do we even have those? Uh, and if they don't, stop going to that store. Okay? Pretty simple. Because that means their service department surely is not using crush washers. It it's just a bi-metallic washer. And guess what? You don't even need a torque wrench. You just like kind of get one eye Like you know, close one eye and look at it. And then you just turn that wrench until you see it squish. It's real subtle, but you'll see it squish a bit. And that's when you know you're at the right torque. And then you magically have a washer at the right torque on that fucking bolt. And you don't have to over-tighten it or over-tightening, otherwise known as the amateur way. Tight enough is not a torque spec. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's my wrist strength. Well, what if your wrist doesn't have a lot of strength? <laughs> or what if, like, I don't know, you just have Popeye forearms? Like, don't – there's no need. There is, there is a torque spec that someone figured out is the ideal place to put it, where there's no risk of you having all the oil dump out of your bike, and there's no risk of damaging the threads also. Do it. Okay? Okay? Do it. It's and and here's the thing too. You you you'll have the peace of mind knowing that you did an oil change correctly. But what if your buddy's doing an oil change and you just go, hey, do you have a crush washer? And I guarantee you your buddy will say no. Or you know what is also likely? He's just been taking the same washer on and off of it every single time, not knowing that it's a crush washer. <laughs> It's not a regular washer; it's a crush washer. So you can say, "Oh, well, if we go to the store right now for like a few dollars, we'll get a brand new crush washer." And he'll be like, "Why do you need that?" And you'll be like, "Well, this is why. It's actually a special little device that's made this way." And da da. And all of a sudden, you'll be a. Fu- he'll be like, "Holy shit! What other magical things does my buddy know?" You will sound like you know what you're talking about. Now, do plenty of people all over this planet do oil changes every day without this successfully absolutely but personally i the two dollars is it's the best two dollars you'll ever spend, I think because it only takes one time of of that oil leak to to really fuck up your whole not even your day your month your summer so you know there we go all right we're at an hour 17 i feel like we can get away with a much shorter episode this week um i don't know sure, I'll, well, i don't know i'll leave it to you swigs we can continue this for like another 10 20 minutes i kind of had an idea with the new zx4rr i think there's a discussion to be had if 400s are the new 600s
1: Interesting.
0: It's highly debatable because cost and price and a bunch of other things really come into this, but so do emission standards and a bunch of other things. And
1: uh, let's save it for next episode because I got I'm gonna have to look up some of this stuff. Okay. Let's let's just come let's at this.
0: tease it for next week. Yeah. Okay. Our four hundreds the new six hundreds. And I there's I have a strong argument both ways. Mm. But other than that, I think we can just leave it because, well, the Super Bowl is about to start. And whilst we're not really sports people, been invited. We do have
1: social obligations.
0: We do have social obligations. So. All right. Let's, let's end this one a little bit early. Hopefully this was much more digestible for the public than, than past episodes. And, uh, We'll see you next time. Reminding everyone one more time, send emails to contact at nokomotopodcast.com. You can join our Patreon. But more than anything else, we'd love you to leave five-star ratings and reviews. And with that, I think we can do the outro. You ready? Yep. Okay. And I don't want to die. I just want to ride on my mo side mm-hmm, Go. Call.